Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And today we have Kim Shamtali with us. Kim is the CEO and founder of Muscle Mechanics. I mean, even even that name, Kim, from from the get-go kind of makes me curious. And I always think that, you know, when we hear, hear all these titles of people that have their own business, some of them are very predictable, some of them are very mundane, some of them you're like, what on earth? And yet this one kind of brings curiosity as well as kind of like a clear message of what it may pertain to. But really, what is muscle mechanics? Oh, thank you. Um, I like the fact that it's making people curious. Um, For me, muscle mechanics is exploring the physical human body, the emotional human mind and marrying the two to get the best performance that you can out of yourself. So on a a personal level, that would be exploring how your own physiology works best for you. Some tried and tested ways of um, approaching recovery if you've been injured in sport may not be a one size fits all. Um, I'm trying to encompass the uniqueness of people and how they have their own timescale of what will make them feel better and how they can then go back and still perform and um, enjoy what they do. So for me, it's sort of encompassing everything on different levels so that um, we get to know the real version of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm a massive sports fan. I play a lot of sport, um, watch a lot of sport. Uh, So kind of it's fascinating for me. uh, let alone our audience today to be able to talk about like some of the the essence of what you've been doing and, and why. And I know that you have an up and coming book uh, coming out very shortly, uh, Kim, uh, called uh, Don't Think, Use Instinct. Tell me a, a little bit about the thought behind that and what can people expect from, from those pages? Uh, Don't Think, Use Instinct is a culmination of four years work observing my son who um had a brain tumor diagnosis back in 2017 and as a family how we coped through the trauma of the diagnosis and how you have to look at life in a 360 um it's a complete change of events of how you would visualize how things would be to having to change everything so don't think use instinct is my um observations and also uh, hints and tips of how to believe and create a recovery journey so once um, I think a lot of people when they they go in they have surgery to uh, say like a cure-all situation for an injury that that's the end of the journey and it really isn't the hard work begins afterwards once the surgery has been um, successful, when you are then discharged to go home. And it's when you sit there and you go, how do I do this? 
how do I get to where I was? How do I get to move about again? Um, what's happening next? So I'm taking uh, readers on a journey from what that would possibly mean and, and how that would look, but also to um, give them uh, illumination as to the pitfalls that can happen and certain mindsets you can go through, which are perfectly normal, especially if it's a child in your family that has a life-changing illness, or if it's just someone that you know and you're very closely connected to, you may feel impacted by what's happened to them, how you can best serve them and be supportive so that they can continue to get better. So when when you've wrote this book, and congratulations, by the way, um, <laughs> have you wrote it for people that may be in a similar position to you who are the parents of a child who is uh, sick or, or needs some intervention? Or is it for the person who's going through uh, the recovery? Or is it both? I, I would say the first initial intention was for um, other parents like myself going through a similar situation where their child has been diagnosed with a brain tumour and what means and they would go about a recovery plan um, but then I realized just how that could also reach other people it could be adults it could be anybody that's going for a recovery journey that just needs to know mentally you will have ups and downs you will need to um, be more resilient in your approach to achieve success in your outcome of um, you know predominantly independence and go back to full fitness um so yes in the end it became both <laughs> beautiful i love when that happens um would you would you say that if you were to be able to pinpoint you know one thing that you would want the reader to take from this book what is it that you would want for them to take and uh, to not accept the first answer you receive with regards to your question and to always ask questions no matter what setting you're in if you feel intimidated by medical professionals or you feel your voice isn't being heard be louder um just to make sure that you're make, making your point and that they understand that you don't always agree and that is also okay beautiful um the book's called Don't Think, Use Instinct. I just want to touch on instinct because it's one of those it's one of those words that when I hear, I always think of uh, I always think of animals first. Like I always think of like a lion, <laughs> you know, or and not not necessarily so much straight away human instinct, though though it's kind of an interesting word. We hear it. I would love to know what is instinct to you and. And how do we fine tune that? How do we actually start to go towards instinct and away from thoughts? That's um, for me, it's me tuning into my maternal uh, inner voice when um, I think my one of my children might be in trouble or if there's a sense of danger. It is primal. I do think we have um, that within all of us it's just when you're not silent 
you're constantly busying the mind with logical outcomes. There's so much data in front of you. Your eyes are, are taking in all this information that you you need to quieten down and listen to the inner self of what's being told and the the kind of sense if it's off like that pit of your stomach oof, butterflies or yeah I don't want to go to that particular event or I don't want to um, get involved that's that's the instinct there that that horrible feeling and sometimes it's a good feeling when you know you're on a roll and it's a lucky a lucky surge that if you go and take that chance you're going to make the best use of that that's also a great thing but when it's negative and it feels scary, this is when you should act on it. There's a reason for it. And if if it's a health-related matter, you're, you're feeling you're a little bit uncomfortable about, that's when you should explore it because there's a difference between saving a life and letting something manifest for far longer than it needs to, which then becomes a danger to yourself and to the loved ones that you're caring for. Yeah, lovely. And you're talking about you know how we need to be you know, find pockets of silence uh, and quieting down. Would you have a couple of thoughts of how, how you go about doing that? Well, usually for me, I do like to meditate. Um, I tend to do this every day in the morning. Um, just before I start breakfast run, obviously I'm a busy mum of three. It can get very noisy very quickly. And just before um, you are shutting down for the night, so... Before I do all my journal thoughts, then I have that sort of silence for 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes where I can just allow my body and my mind to communicate with each other what's what's been happening. So you get a good quality sleep, but also you have an awareness of, of where you're at. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I salute a lot of women, especially mothers that uh, are running a household as well as um, having a business and, and writing a book and marketing a book and being available for their for their clients. Um, I typically have my kids on the weekend and think, blimey, if I had to do that like every day um, and try and do what I do now, like that's quite that's quite a lot. So I I, I always have that disposition of respect. How do we ride out the uncomfortable worries of trying to balance? our business, our work, our children, our home and our health? How do, how do we do that? I think the best thing to do is to set your priorities. Um, if you can be organized, it helps massively. Um, it's sort of not putting, burying your head in the sand. If you know there's work that's got to be done, you need to have a robust diary. I love my diary system and it may make me sound very boring, but to be honest, I get to make maximum use of my day and I can still have time for my kids to do homework and things that they might want to talk about. Now, if I didn't make time for that, then it would be a very different story. Um, prioritizing massively important and um, I can't emphasize that enough and just setting goals but not too many just manageable goals that you know you can succeed in for that, that day so it's like setting agenda it helps because you feel good you are getting through the tasks that need to be achieved but at the same time you're also having fun I mean I love what I do and it's really important for me to connect that way. So when I when I meet my clients, I'm in the same mood as when they've left me. And when I go and pick the kids up, it's a constant high energy. 
which I then replenish at times when I have quiet time. So people always say, how do you have all this energy? It's um, you've got to put some energy in to get some energy out, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Absolutely. But here's one thing that I think we, <clears throat> excuse me, me and you have in common is there is something that's very intentional and actually we get we actually get fueled by being organized rather than feeling like hemmed in or our, or our wings clipped because for some people the idea of having things organized kind of like stifles creativity uh or impulsivity and actually i always find that having a structure enables me to still be fluid and creative within that by protecting uh, the peak like high points of high energy are you kind of the same way yes um very much the same way um i've never never seen it as a negative thing no it's, it's always been a way for me to then unleash the creative creativity so then i can uh, have those moments where i'm brainstorming and i'm getting ideas down on paper Um it's yeah i find it's a positive right yeah. absolutely i'm the same with um, muscle mechanics, I know one of the things that you do is reflexology. And this is another word that I think that like instinct kind of needs to be uh, debunked or unpacked a little bit, unraveled. What What is reflexology and how does it work and how, how would it benefit in today's, in today's world? Uh, reflexology is working with the feet and hands. And there's a system whereby we are all connected with uh, meridians and um, these meridians have energy that we will sort of release periodically through the day. But sometimes when we get stressed, everything gravitates down to the feet. So you can feel certain textures and um, what they call crystals that gather around certain areas of the feet. So an example would be if a client has uh, hay fever or maybe they've just had COVID, they have very sensitive toes and there's um, a sinus reflex that you can work on the feet, which will help to alleviate congested passages and give them much more <laughs> um, abilities to breathe. But most importantly, just to be able to relax. And that's the whole idea is it's relaxing systems within the body and it's it's really good for anxiety and um, upheld emotions in the solar plexus. So if if we're not dealing with that daily, we compound it, and this can manifest in other symptoms like physical pain and emotional pain that isn't explained very well. And, and that's why reflexology when you work on your feet, because you could do this yourself. Um, if if you can, when you're at your desk, you can work on your hands. It just makes you feel more relaxed. It's like a little self-massage to make you feel better, but also more connected to you. So you're not forgetting yourself during the day. Yeah, I love those massage guns. I, I was gifted one about a year ago and they're they're amazing just to be able to reach areas that you typically couldn't before uh they're a really good investment but i'm glad i asked that question because you, you taught me a couple of things there that i didn't i didn't know i always find it fascinating you know kim when like a, a pressure point in your hand or your feet can like have a correlation to your sinuses that's pretty radical yes and i i was of the same um, opinion until i uh, went to um a tutor in london and explored it 
because in my mind I thought what's going on here I was in a period of stress um I was wasn't very happy with my job but I just felt my energy was low it needed to to get better and she showed me the method uh, it's a Eunice Ingham method of reflexology whereby this lady she was wonderful she um, worked with a lot of um, hospitals and alongside medical professionals and uh, demonstrated how this had an impact on patients to reduce their levels of stress but also to help them become better so it was um it was a situation whereby there was a connection in the body and how you can then operate these meridians which is kind of coming from chinese theology of um acupuncture and acupressure that uh, you can then remove energy blockages to give you more energy but also to help you get rid of any viruses and boost your immunity so there's there's ways to do it and I think it's just about connecting you back to yourself and knowing how these patterns on your feet and certain pressure points can identify weak weak areas you can then explore and um, improve so I think for reflexology for beginners is a, a good um, stepping stone to looking at how you're coping with life Mm, definitely now i noticed that you volunteer your services uh to a local football team that that kind of stuck out for me because i i still play football now i'm 40 and i've been playing in the same league since i was 18 you know so i, I love my football love my tennis uh love to keep fit um how do we keep our muscles in good shape you know what would be some of your thoughts on on that uh specific for those of us that are active and i think you know Health and well-being has never been so uh, predominant or focused on as it has been in the last, say, five years. It really has kind of take front stage, both mental health and physical health. I think you, you've identified it right there. It's um, the mental, mental battle um, versus the physical um, performance that your body will be able to achieve. Um, with the volunteering work I do at uh, my Sunday League Football Club, it's looking at both and making sure the players are okay, um, making sure that they understand that you will get tired and that you need to always make sure if you're not 100% to step back and allow um, time to recover properly and to make sure they're aware of everything that's available to them, stretches, so as as we get older, we might need to do more stretching. It's um, to prepare the body for the, the shock you're going to put it through and, you know, the tackles that you might come across. And, you know, the goalkeepers getting pounded with these shots on goal, you know, you see their shoulders taking a lot of stress. And, you know, for me, if I can have a chat and check in with them once a, once a month, maybe twice a week if need be, just to see how they're holding up, it reveals a lot about how their body will perform later on. So um, working with these guys has been a privilege. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's a totally uh, different mi mindset and uh, client base from where I was before, which was in a clinical setting. So they're full of life and vitality, but also very um, into their football and for me, all I try and do is point them in the right direction. Whether they take the advice is another matter, but at least I make it available so they can always ask. 
So the key things I would say, if you're going back into sport after a period of absence, is to take your time and gauge um, how much you are able to free up each week. Don't um, overcommit because you're likely to quit early. If you can only do one session a week, then make that the best session you can do in that week and then build as time becomes available or you might enjoy it more so you make space for it which is important and then from that it becomes a, a lifelong hobby it's something that you care about and you want to be part of so the thinking behind that is it's not just health I must be healthy I must lose weight I must do this it's you enjoy it you love to do it. You love to be part of something, be part of a community. And then that will grow with you as it will with the team. And that camaraderie that they have is um, it's lovely to see. And every time they have their season, when it kicks off, you, you know, they're all going to be there for each other. And I can't, I can't sort of promote it enough is if you can get involved in a community like that park run or, you know, like a running club, something that you're keen on that you used to do, it will make a, a different connection with you as a person than if you were just striking it out in the gym on your own. Sometimes it's very hard to, to be motivated every day when you're flying solo. I, I absolutely resonate thousand percent with that, you know, and uh, I mean, the team that you've been working with, Cambly United, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is interesting because I know like we had training last night, we have training every Wednesday and, you know, I know there's some lads that purely come because it's so beneficial to their mental health, like just getting out of their head, changing their environment. As you said, having that camaraderie. I mean, I love that. Like I've always enjoyed sports because I like the social element as well as the fact that it doesn't even feel like exercise. So totally love the fact that you're calling people to be motivated by what they enjoy and and to find something that does build that sense of community. One thought I had, I just wondered if you could maybe sh shine some light on it or, or maybe I'm just a bit weird. Um, there's times where, you know, it's like, if I if I go for a run, I feel like that I'm not as big, like like physically as big. Like it almost feels like I correlate when I run that that I that I'm keeping my waistline at a certain stage, uh, and if I haven't run for a week, I feel like I've put weight on, and I I find it quite funny how it it feels a little bit like that. Is that just a is that just a mark thing, or, or do other people have have the have that? <laughs> I think everyone can have that. Um, I think it's it's definitely a mind connection to a certain outcome. Um, for me, when I go running, I I think okay, that's the distance. Let's see how comfortable I can make this for myself. Um, yes, there's there's if you fixate on a, a physical outcome, uh, how you look, it will start to build momentum uh if you could just disrupt that and slot something else in there like another goal um it will help you to refocus um a different aspect and um, before you know it the visualization of a different goal i had to overcome three major surgeries for my children and my core abdominal muscles were um divided they, they weren't in the best shape and as a runner, you can't run like that. I had to do a lot of groundwork of foundation work first to heal 
those um, muscles so that I could take the strain of running because I enjoyed it. And then when I felt I was strong enough, I went to do something once a week, run with a club. And I built up from there, which I think people are missing this, is you can't just go straight in. Um, you need to to look at how that's going to be and how you are and then visualize the the actual progress and then you're there. It's all appealing about the layers. The more you do it, you'll see it more visually. It's you acknowledging you in a different way. So you, you've got to love yourself a bit there and not be so hard. Very good. Um, yeah, I always find it fascinating that I love being in the community and doing sports. But when it comes to running, I, I love to run by myself. That's the one time where I like just I don't know what it is. I'm just like, leave me alone. I just don't want to speak. I just want to run. Um, Forrest Gump moment, I think. Well, I can be like that too. I think if you've got a lot on, um, it's a very good way of decompressing and you're just letting go of everything and letting go of all the rubbish or the negative chat. It's you versus you. Um, and you can work as hard as you like or you may even decide not to complete the challenge. But I think for those that have run past and run alongside and a half marathon, they finished. They had a downtime at mile 10 and I've gone along and I said, do you know what? There's not that much longer. It's 5K. It's a park run. You can do this. And then they perk up and you see them starting to rally into a little jog. And then I see them at the finish and it's it's good. I always clap. I always spend time after I finish to make sure that I congratulate those behind me that are also finished because it's a hard slog. You know, when you set yourself 5K for the first time, it is the furthest distance in the world. But once you've done it a few times, you think, wow, you know, what else can I do? It mm. builds your own confidence. So it's just a step at a time. It does. Whenever I run, I always clap the person that I run past always like, and I've done that and it's hilarious. The response. So if you're a runner, start doing it. We'll start having like a bit of a, a renaissance of people just clapping each other. It's normally I get such an uplift uh, response from those that I've clapped, like a big warm smile or almost like their shoulders lift. It does have an impact. And uh, I always believe that, you know, when you do good for someone else, it always like, comes back to you anyway so me like uplifting somebody else uplifts me and I think we can definitely learn something from that why do you believe Kim we often show great strength and courage at times when we're most vulnerable obviously you said at the start around your journey with your son Jensen um why 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 do you think that is the case I think it's mainly because there's nowhere else to go it's um the place where you need to come up with something is survival. It's, uh, you know, you have to fight. If, if you want a different outcome, you, you have to fight for it. It's not going to happen like magic. Some people assume that, you know, if you think a certain way, it'll arrive in your lap and there's the solution. For me, it was very different. I had to, to challenge and that required strength, and but also just being aware of, the situation, doing the research, doing the work. Um, my son's diagnosis was unusual. And there's not many children that have uh, posterior fossa syndrome after surgery. And I had to swat to find out all I could about it and then present arguments when I felt 
that uh, I wasn't being listened to. So when you are vulnerable, you can also be at your best because you you kind of have to go for it. There's there's no um, sort of, oh, let's be complacent. Everything will be taken care of. It's more like I'm taken care of instead, which uh, changes the way you think. So then you can then go out and, and start taking control of more decisions instead of waiting for the decisions to be made for you. Yeah, a, a word that comes to mind when I hear this is 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 resilience, your ability to, I mean, you were talking about like you've got nowhere else to go. There's almost that sense like you can't afford not to uh, put your head above the parapet and, and do whatever it can. You talked about, you know, not burying our head in the sand early on. You know, I know that you help people improve their resilience um, through invention. How, how, how does that work? How do you go about that? Um, well, after talking to them and finding out more about um, what's been bothering them, uh, the frustrations they're facing, it's opening up their mind by asking a series of questions. They're not particularly um, difficult questions. They're more um, open, so they have to answer it creatively, that there's no sort of preconceived answer. That's okay. Yes, no. If they have to articulate a different way. And with Mark Jensen, didn't talk for two months. Um, this condition wiped out all his muscle tone and vocal cords have muscles. And um, he was so frustrated one day and he saw me eating. And <laughs> I didn't realize I was being so cruel. I was sitting there eating. I had a nice slice of cake. It was a long day. And he's there in his assistance buggy watching me. And out of nowhere, he said, cake. And that blew my mind because it, it came from a place where he was so angry and so frustrated because no one was listening to him that this word came out. And it was, for me, a breakthrough. I realized he was listening very well to everything going on around him. But his timing of how he could articulate his words in a conversation was that much slower. And from that point, him being my VIP client, I had to understand and listen. It's like listening is very important. And he taught me that because from one word came another word and then he started to build his sentences again. So mm. it's, yeah, it's profound when that happens. And how is he now? <laughs> He's being very cheeky. Um, He's uh, been leading the team out for Farnborough Town Football Club for their last FA Cup tie fixture, which I believe was, it was, it was a one-all draw. And he was led out with the team and he stood there and we did the minute silence and he was, he was very good. It was the best walking I'd seen him do. Mm. And I didn't have any assistance equipment. We walked on. And uh, he just seemed very proud. And so he should be, because he had a shirt on, same as the other players with his name on the back. Beautiful. So, <laughs> they, they, were, they were astonished. They were so pleased to meet him. And he was even more pleased that he'd go into the players' lounge and have a drink, be treated Love like a king. <laughs> Love that. That's a beautiful story and a, a great way to, to bring this in to a close Kim is there is there anything that you wanted to say that we haven't captured and just let people know uh how they can find out more about you and and give us details about when you when your book's coming out don't think use instinct yes um 
people can follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at Muscle Mechanics Balms. And what we create are self care kits. So they're like your natural first aid, um, blended by myself within my workshop. I've um, created these balms to operate on swellings, cuts, bruises, but also muscle pain that may be experienced from doing extreme challenges like the London Marathon. So other places you could possibly find us would be at the uh, London Marathon Running Show, which will be at the XL. And that's from the 28th of September to the 1st of October. And obviously with regards to the book, I'm hoping to be able to launch that within the next month i haven't got a definitive date yet for my publisher but we are at the um tail end of getting the formatting completed and it's just the small uh, testimonials that we're pulling together so people can um see where we've been charities we've been involved with and um, how we've been helping the community as well as them also helping us when we've needed it amazing been fantastic uh spending this time with you kim and uh wish you all the success with with the up and coming book and and everything else and yeah it's been really enjoyable so thank you oh thank you very much it's been a pleasure thank you for joining this episode with me mark sefton i hope you've really enjoyed it feel free to leave us a positive review on itunes and i look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the brains magazine podcast